The rule of three states, things that come in threes are inherently more appealing than those that don't. With our GMC Yukon, Acadia, and Terrain, we couldn't agree more. Step up to the family-focused Yukon, built for transporting your family across town to school or across the country, or the 2019 GMC Acadia, delivering available third-row seating for up to seven passengers. Need something mighty? Then meet the 2019 GMC Terrain, built with the perfect combination of styling, utility, and efficiency. Three sizes, one GMC. Choose like a pro. Step up to GMC with 16% below MSRP on most 2019 Acadia and Terrain models when you finance through GM Financial. We are professional grade. GMC. Excludes SL models. Includes price reduction below MSRP and purchase allowance. Must finance through GM Financial. Some customers will not qualify. Not available with some other offers. Take retail delivery by 4119. See participating dealer for details. Hi, this is Tony Ruggiero, the Dew Sweeper. You're about to listen to an episode of The Tour Coach, which is going to give you an inside look at coaching golf at the very highest level, from on the PGA Tour with my guys, all the way to here at Mobile, Alabama, in the Dew Sweeper Dome, as we help folks of all skill levels, all walks of life, learn to achieve their golfing goals. So on this edition of The Coach, is Mac Barnhart. And, you know, the first few editions of the coach, I think everybody's known there. You know, if you follow golf, it's more of a household name. Luke Guthrie, if you follow the tour, Zach Sukers, a tour player, Lucas Glover, certainly everybody was aware of. And so, you know, when we throw Mac Barnhart out there, there's probably some folks like, you know, who the hell's Mac Barnhart? Well, I thought it was an interesting place to put him in here because so in 2013, the 2013 Walker Cup at National Golf Links, was the first time I met Mac. Mac and his contingent from at that time, I think it was Crown Sports, were recruiting one of my players, uh, Bobby Wyatt, who played on the 13 Walker Cup for the United States, which, side note, is still one of the coolest. The two Walker Cups I've been to with players is still two of the coolest things I've ever done as a coach in golf, attending those, and just super proud of that. Anyways, through the recruitment of Bobby, who he eventually he signed with Crown and worked with Mac and his team there and ultimately Jeremy Elliott and so forth. You know, I got to become friends with Mac, always was fascinated by his stories. You're going to hear through this dialogue that uh, Mac was Butch Harmon's agent during the Tiger years. He was Davis Love's agent, long time, Justin Leonard's, David Duvall's. And so he had a wealth of experience and Mac was unlike a lot of agents or a lot of folks that I had run across during this college recruitment period and that he was really more of a performance coach, carried more about figuring out how to make players perform better than just putting deals together. And so Mac has left the agenting world and is the time being and is more of a, he considers himself a performance coach. And so over the last six years, Mac and I have become good friends he was Lucas Glover's longtime agent, and we've become good friends, enjoy a glass of wine, and he's a trusted resource that I can always, during times when a player might be struggling or a player's coming up or older player is struggling, you know, has great words of wisdom, as a good confidant, a good friend, somebody I enjoy spending time with. And so, you know, he's obviously a, a team member in, with one of my players in Lucas and somebody that we all feel comfortable bouncing things off of. He's a resource of information. He can be philosophical, but he's got a great view of golf and of life, regardless of 
who the player is, what age he is, or who represents him. I mean, he just thinks in terms of performance, and that's how I think of golf. So we enjoy spending time together, and I think you'll enjoy this edition of The Coach with Mac Barnhart. Also, we're doing an awesome giveaway to kick off the podcast. You're going to get the chance to win a new Shrixon driver. If you were lucky enough to hang out and play with me, you'd see that I've got this new sucker in the bag. I've got a 95785 Shrixon driver with a hazardous shaft. It is amazing. It, all of the numbers, it was Shrixon for years, but this is the first driver I ever remember from Shrixon or Cleveland Golf that when we put it on the track man or on the quad, that the numbers against every other leading driver out there are better than any of the competition. It's unbelievable, and I just I love it. Couldn't speak more highly of it. We fit lots of good young players, lots of good amateur players. Put them in. You know, I always tell people I'm going to put you in what you play the best because that's how I get paid. Whether you're a professional player or whether you're a junior player, I mean. You playing well is how I get my notoriety, how I generate my revenue, and and how I've built my reputation. And I wouldn't put a Shrixon driver in somebody's bag if it wasn't the best. And we're putting a lot of them in folks' bags. So go ahead and uh, enter for a chance to win this driver. Here's how you do it. You subscribe to the podcast in the Apple Podcasts. You listen to the show. Leave a review of the show. Screenshot your review. And then email that screenshot to Hey at golfsciencelab.com that's hey at golfsciencelab.com and if you want special bonus entries share out on social media you're listening and we'll increase your chance of winning don't miss out on this as you only have our first three weeks to enter and win this it's a great chance to get a great driver plus i think you're going to love the stuff that cordy and i've put together for you coming out that's going to give you an inside the world of golf look at what it's like to be a coach at the highest level with pga tour players as well as developing junior players what it's like on the road as well as here in the dome in mobile alabama so don't miss this opportunity for the first three weeks to win the brand new shrix 785 driver all right let's get to this episode with mac Barnhart. Sitting down with me here today is somebody that I'm excited to bring everybody to because given some insight into what I do, not only is he a huge resource for me on the PGA Tour or developing players, but he's become one of my really good friends, which I think is kind of what always happens out here with the folks that you work with. Going to talk to Mr. Mac Barnhart. Mac, how you doing, bud? I'm great, Tony. Thanks for having me on. You know, Mac, and so the, the first thing that, uh, the first time I ever met you, we, it was actually up at the Walker Cup on Long Island with Bobby Wyatt. I remember I was walking along. That's the first time I ever got introduced to you. Yep. And we've yep. done a lot of hanging out in the years since. Uh, and, but one of the things that, that interested me, one of the very first things you said to me, we were walking down one of the fairways and you said to me, every player that you'd ever signed as an agent, had made it to the PGA tour. And, you know, at that point in time, I'd, you know, I'd spent some time with Lee Williams on the PGA tour and, and, uh, Nolan Hankey and some folks like that. But I was just, you know, I was new to going into that realm. And to be honest, it was, I mean, it's a little scary and it's a little different first time you start going out yeah. there on the PGA tour. And so I, you know, my philosophy has always been like, I want to surround myself with the people that are the very best at what they do. And we became exactly. friends and I've picked your brain a ton. And I would like to just talk with you for a little bit about your philosophy and all of the things you've seen in your career as an agent, but now you're transitioning from that 
to being a performance consultant, which is what I officially use you as. You help me with all yep. of my players and just I pick yep. your brain on how to make them perform better. I'd love for you to just talk with me a little bit about your philosophy and what you've seen is the difference between what makes people make it and what people make make them not make it. Well, and yeah, well, I appreciate it. And again, when I made that statement, I think I was trying to relate to you that obviously it was not me was the reason these folks were making it. It was a, the thing I think we were talking about is that we had, you know, a team type atmosphere from the moment of kind of sign with us. And mm-hmm. uh, my example was, you know, in baseball, a great pitcher comes out of college and signs with an agent. And then the agent signs him with a deal, say the Yankees, and all of a sudden the Yankees take over. I mean, Cashman, the you know the general manager, and then the the coach, and then the trainer, you know, the batting coach, the sliding coach, pitching coach. It's all in house. And the thing, the reason I thought that I was having so much success was the minute I signed a kid, I essentially brought him into an atmosphere that's similar to, to that of a pro team, and. You know, as you know, I was with Davis Love for a long, long time and, and got to watch and learn and from him. And But immediately they came into a team-type atmosphere. And I guess that's what I was trying to portray is that being an agent, I think at the time we were trying to sign Bobby, but being an agent's not going out and saying, hey, you know, I'm going to get you a deal with, you know, this company and get you, you know, two starts to play on the tour and then good luck. I mean, it's a big thing. And the problem is, is that people think the, the, the jump from college golf to professional golf is, is the kind of the same jump from high school to college. Mm-hmm. And as you and I both know, it's, it's 14 leaps and, and a huge bungee jump to get on tour and to succeed on tour. So the things that, that I have seen successful, the things that kind of, I watched Tom Kite kind of mentor Davis Love and I watched Davis Love mentor Justin Leonard. And they learn from each other. And you know, we've talked about this. Sometimes when you're teaching somebody something, you learn more than the person you're teaching because you kind of talk to yourself. But watching Tom Kite and then watching Davis Love and watching Justin Leonard and watching a Chris Smith and a Lucas Glover and a Jason Bird, you watch what are these guys doing that seems to spread them apart. Mm-hmm. But the first thing I'd always notice is they're right under Davis Love. And Davis Love has done the same drills with the same teacher. With the same attitude, he never changes. You know, his father, his father passed in a plane crash, but since then it's been Jack Lumpkin. And they work on the same thing. There's never something new. This is what you have to work on. And one of the first things that people fail when they all of a sudden turn pro is they think they've got to learn something different. But in reality, they need to become more proficient at what they do and proficient at a higher level against better competition, against better pressure. But consistency with the people that you're around, you mentioned it, being around successful people, the way you practice, the way you prepare, the way you rest. Rest is probably the most underrated thing when you become a professional golfer because what's the one thing you haven't done? You've never played this much golf Mm -hmm. as a professional golfer. And so it's never really been me. It's been, I've been a little speck of it, but the point being is that it takes a team and that team has to be consistent. Their goals have to be aligned. You can't have the agent over here worrying how much money the guy can make in equipment when the equipment may not be suitable. Right. And you can't be worried about a downturn. You can't, you know, go out and miss six cuts in a row and say, well, we got to fire the teacher and the trainer and the caddy. 
It's consistency. And everyone's accountable to a goal. And it's kind of where, you know, I'm heading in my life is, you know, the deals are deals and agents, whatever. But there's no one really finding the efforts of the caddy and the instructor and the trainer and the parents and, you know, whomever, whoever's on the team because you have different parts. So the thing that people don't take study of is that they look at it as though, all right, I'm a great college player. I'm an Hall of Famer. Just Jordan Spieth did it. Justin Leonard did it. Tiger Woods did it, so I should do it. And then they disregard guys like David Duvall, that was a major champion, that it took him forever, and Tom Lehman, and just on and on and on. So each person's separate is different, but they need to approach it as though I need a team of people. Here's the goals. Here's what we're doing. Everyone's accountable, including the player. So if the player has to put as much effort into it and be accountable for what he's doing. So, like I say, it's it's just a really easy way to look at it is it's a team game with one individual actually at bat. But that's the way baseball is, the way a quarterback is, the way a shooting guard is. But there's always an incredible team, and it's got to be consistent. It can't be jumping around because of what you call a so-called failure. How about a bad year at golf? Mm-hmm. Well, you're going to have one. It happens. You're going to have one. You're going to have bad two years. You're going to – I mean, it's going to look like you're never going to break 75 again. And in my old story was that I know what old pro told me this. There may have been Butch Harmon, who I got to represent for like 10 or 11 years, who I learned tons from. Right. But I think you said that there's going to be days you think you're never going to hit another great shot, and there's going to be days you think you're never going to hit another bad shot. And you're right both times. <laughs> but it's like you have to know where you're headed, what your consistency level is about how you prepare. You can't play bad and then practice twice as hard the next day. You practice what you're practicing. And you allow it to happen. And this is what I see. And I don't want to call them failures, but I see people that struggle is that they change up their plan based on the results. And sometimes, I mean, there sometimes there's a change that has to happen. But usually it's when someone's goals are not aligned with the other person, whether it's the caddy or the trainer. You know, a lot of times you got caddies or trainers or teachers. They just want guys that play well because that's what makes them money and makes them famous. And there's guys like you, which are, is it's about the person. It's about the person accomplishing what they can, when they can, how they can. And it's not a because I know guys that you've struggled with that they think they're struggling. They're not. They're just trying to get on tour. They just feel like they're struggling. But that's the thing that I always tell parents and I tell kids is whatever you set forth to go do, buy in. And then that's your deal. And I don't know how many have switched instructors that have had success. I'm talking about once they're at a level that have changed instructors that have gotten better. Very few. I, mean, I don't think Tiger Woods got better when he left Butch. I don't think, and if you go and look at guys that played the longest, I mean, the guys that won, I mean, Jack Nicholas. I don't, I remember one teacher, Jack Grout. I heard he got a chipping lesson one time from somebody, Phil, Phil, somebody. But what I'm saying is it's, it's not hard to tell every player, you don't have to listen to me. Go and research the players that have the most success. And see how many times they've changed caddies, teachers, trainers. See how many times. I mean, it's it's statistically, you can't. You know, the one thing, a lot of things I've learned from you, but the one thing that I picked out early, and I mean, I think it's in my nature anyways, was to not panic when things aren't going well, rather. And, and, that to me is the hardest lesson for young folks coming up 
And it's, I mean, I, you know, Mac, unfortunately, I see it in junior golf now. I mean, you see kids that you have a great, a lot of success with. They've got good golf swings. They don't hit it far enough for a summer. And so they're going to go to the guy that tells them that they can, you know, that they can make them hit it 10 yards further. And it goes all the way up. Whereas, you know, I've learned, and I think it's a really good lesson for folks is like, like you said, I mean, you put a good team of people around you. And, and nowadays, I think you have the you have the ability to do that, even with a junior golfer and a mm-hmm. college golfer and then up and you let them do their job and you hold them accountable. But you don't panic and you don't overreact to a bad week or a bad year or whatever. You know, I, I just don't see that panic ever pays off. And I've been involved in it time or two. It never comes out better for the player when everybody overreacts and panics to some bad golf. No. And, you know, it's, I've seen this happen. You know, you, I've seen, you know, and I'll go back to Davis because he's my oldest, you know, record of learning. And, you know, Jack Lumpkin works with Davis. And I remember being at the British Open one time. And, and Jack, Davis was having an issue with something. And Jack just said, hey, if Butch is, because Jack wasn't there, he said, if you see Butch, ask Butch. <laughs> so Davis asked Butch. And Butch came over. And I'll never forget, he took his foot and moved Davis's ball position and walked off. Didn't say a word. Walked off. Davis hit it well. Davis almost won that week. I remember it distinctly. <laughs> there's nothing wrong with going getting, I mean, if you're a general surgeon, but there's a specific thing you need to do, there's nothing wrong. But you don't fire that teacher and go to them. Have your teacher go with you to that teacher and learn that skill. Learn it together. This isn't, you know, I think that's one of the things, you know, and, and I'll go back to Butch. You know, Butch obviously was probably the most famous instructor ever. Mm-hmm, no rightly doubt. so in my book mm-hmm. but Butch never he didn't do it like boy this guy if I teach him he's going to make me famous I was with him when he told me that this Tiger Woods kids was coming to see him. people think well Joy Tiger made Butch no Butch was already teaching Greg Norman who was the number one player in the world right but what I'm saying is Butch never he didn't bother him to go help somebody win because he and if you can tell you can't totally tell who a Butch Harmon student is, they swing all different. Exactly. And that's again, the beauty as you of it. As you and I have been to, I haven't seen anybody, I mean, perfect anything yet. It's just what you can do. And that's one of the things, you know, I talk to parents. I'm like, you know, kid coming out of college, it's three years minimal. So the guy's probably ready to play at that level if he can do it. Three right. years. I watched Brian Harmon. I played with Brian Harmon when he was 16 years old. And I'm thinking, this guy could play on tour now. But it took him three years out of Georgia to get on tour. Now he's a top 50 player in the world, and he should be and will be. But it's hard. If that, if that kid doesn't come right out on tour, no one does. He's probably the best I've ever seen, all right? But this is the toughest thing. And, you know, in any sport or any profession, if you're an astronaut, a fireman, policeman, SWAT member, whatever it is, slow is fast, fast is slow. And what I mean by that is, is when things are going wrong, you move slowly. Don't panic. Do what you can do. And what people tend to forget is that slow is fast, but fast is slow. People react quickly. Mm-hmm. And that and that is where, and it doesn't take much to ruin a guy's confidence. And look, there are so many good instructors out there, and you know them and I know them, that can fix a guy. But that's probably 10% of it. Because you're talking about a long career. You're talking about his body, the kids you're teaching at 15, He's going to change five times before he's 25. You have to know these changes. You have to understand what's going on in his body. And then at 35, when he has his first 
hip surgery, wrist surgery, elbow surgery, you got to find a way to get back to that. So this is a long process, and it's a building block type thing, you know? Reacting to where I'm playing bad, I'm going to hit a lot more balls. Again, that's just, you might have to put a little more time into it, but a professional golfer practicing in January or February really, really hard, and in June, the guy can't move. I mean, you're talking about it has to be planned. Hey, I hope you're enjoying this episode so far. If you're looking to see more of a visual side of this podcast, videos of me working with players, there's tips, strategies, all that good stuff that you'd like for an inside-the-ropes, behind-the-scenes look at life on the PGA Tour or teaching and developing some of the best players around the country, head over to golfsciencelab.com backslash Tony and check out the content there. There's tons of good stuff out there. There's more good stuff coming. But uh, hopefully you enjoy it. All right, now let's get back to it with Mac Barnard. We've talked over the last year, so we talk a lot as you've transitioned into more performance coaching, which is what I think you've always done, to be honest. And so obviously there were times when you were an agent full time that you didn't represent a bunch of my guys. But I would still, you and I would still go, we both enjoy a good glass of wine. So we would go sit and have a good glass of wine at a PGA show or a major or whatever. Or you would call me and you'd say, hey, how's so-and-so doing? And I would bounce things off you and you'd give me advice. And you've always, always been willing to do that. And as you transition into, you know, the performance coaching, it's even easier, right? I bounce stuff off you about everybody. And, but, but the one thing we had to talk about not long ago, I was actually sitting in my car out front of a Publix getting ready to go in to buy some groceries. And we talked about the importance of the relationship and the personal relationship when you're developing a player and what it takes to help them play on the PGA tour. And, you know, I mean, you and I, we talked about the X's and O's and whether the club's on a plane and how their pivot is. I, I think there's a lot of guys that can do that can teach that. I think the ones that are able to, personally connect that know when to kick a guy when to pick a guy up when to put your arm around them and how to do that I, I think there's I think that's the biggest part of coaching those guys and I don't know that there's as many of those as there are that with the x's and o's well and that's not just their fault though Tony you know it's a, an immediate gratification world we're kind of living in you know you got I mean I can't tell you how many times I got parents kids shoot 76 and around and I'm talking about as a sponsor and it says hey you think we need to change teachers and I'm like for 76, I, I'm glad it didn't shoot 80. It's, it's perception. It's the view you're looking from. But I do think that the parent and the instructor and the kid, and because that's what it's down to now, right. it used to be that way, but is y'all better have your goals in line and you better know everybody's there for you. And you can't be, you can't be watching saying, God, I hope he doesn't play bad so I get fired. I mean, my goodness, right. that's over. I mean, I know agents that do that. I mean, but I've I, been there, you know, and it's a hard way to live. And I don't, you don't do your best well, job teaching. You get there, you know, it gets there, unfortunately. Yeah. I did a shitty job teaching when it was that way. Much better when you, you've mentioned a bunch of times here, as we've been talking about everybody having their goals aligned and their values aligned. What do you mean by that? And I, I mean, I know, but I want everybody to hear it because I think that's, that's really the moral to this story as you put your team together and as you move forward trying to play the tour or play major college golf. Okay. Well, I think I will go, we'll go with goals aligned. You know, there's two goals. You'll hear it all the time. You know, I want to make the most money I can make. I want the biggest contracts. I want the prettiest clothes. I want the whatever. And then you get the guys that they want to win. Okay. Now, 
the difference in those two, and I'm not knocking either one. I'm, you know, I kind of lean toward winning. You know, it's about out there to win. But the point being is, is that I'm going to make it like a doctor. You've got a, you've got a broken bone and a quick fix is to put a cast on it to, to mobilize it. The long-term fix is maybe surgery, screws, rehab. I want what's going to get me back to normal, not just a quick fix. And what I see with golf swing is I want a guy that's going to teach me to get from point A to point B to point C. Now, you might can show me what point E or F looks like, and I might can do it for a moment. I might get through two weeks and win with it, but it's not there. It's not dependable. You've had a client that we know about that. Mm -hmm. And they, well, you know, I've won, and I want to win again. Well, you won, but that really wasn't. You weren't able to win. You just won. Being able to win is getting all of these dots connected. So what I mean is, is your goals is you tell a guy, do you want to be a major champion? I want to win. Well, we're going to have to struggle. So, you know, if you're a long-distance runner and i got to learn how to run 26 miles, well, it would be easy to drive you 22 miles and drop you out, which is what I sometimes see in instruction. But it takes work to learn how to work up to run 26 miles. And that's the golf swing. Golf swing is built little point by point by point. You just not, as you know, I remember Butch telling me one time about how long it took Tiger Woods to change his golf swing. And he says, if it takes Tiger that long, there's a lot of people who should never try. So you've mentioned Butch a bunch, and you know, I mean, I, I'm not ashamed to say, like, I, he's my idol as a teacher, right? And one of the first things we, we talked about, you represented him early in his career, and obviously one of my students, Lucas, worked with his brother Dick till Dick passed away. Mm-hmm. And so, yep. you know, I went out there and hung out with him for a couple days, and, you know, I'm not one of these newfangled guys on social media that, like, is jealous of people that have had more success, Right. And I think that we could learn a lot from what he's done. But you had an inside look, and I think it's interesting. So what do you think, what is it about Butch that made him, without question, up to this period of time, he's the, you know, he's the most successful, he's the best teacher as far as wins yeah. and majors of all, of all time to this period. What, what do you think it was about him that allowed him to do it? Well, I, you know, there's a lot of things. Obviously, I got really lucky. I got to learn more from him than I ever did for him, you know, and we're still great friends. and. I love it. But Butch, the first thing I noticed is Butch did not care what the swing looked like. He wasn't trying to design a swing to where, boy, that guy had to work with Butch Harmon because look at his golf swing. You couldn't tell. Right. And he did not care. He did not need his signature or imprint on the golf swing as it looked. Okay. That was the first thing. The second thing I noticed is he rarely ever used a camera. He could see it. I mean, he had eyes. that He could see it. And sometimes he might film it just to make sure, but he used to just see it. Mm-hmm. And I, obviously, I can't understand that. But he had eyes. He had eyes that I think were like great baseball players. They could see the scenes of the fastball at 95 miles an hour. He could see stuff at speed. The third thing was he was performance driven. I mean, I, I can't remember him ever mechanically talking to anyone about their gossip with backswing while on tour. I mean, on the range at, the, at a tour event or a major, I don't. I mean, it may have happened, but Butch was not really worried about what was behind you. He was no. worried about what was in front of you. 
That's a great quote. That, and that's my impression. Again, I'm not in his world. I don't know. And the last one was, is it Butch knew when he could fix them and when he just better motivate them to think they're playing good? Yeah. There was times that he would look at me and go, like, shake his head like, ball, doesn't know where the ball's going. And they, they ain't got time to fix it. And Butch telling the guys, never seen swing that well. I'm talking about this is game day. Yeah. You can, you can win with that. No one he could. But again, Butch Harmon tells you you're swinging good, you're going to hit it good. I don't care who you are. And I think you're the same way. So my point being, he never had a, you know, as, as much as he's been made out to be great, he didn't do it for that. He just was a teacher. That's what he was. His brother Dick was a teacher. His brother Billy's a teacher. His brother Craig, they're teachers. And I mean, every one of them. And they love golf more than anything. I mean, it, they love golf. They love people. They love the sport and they love the way it is. You know, they, I mean, nobody plays well all the time. And I think sometimes it's kind of like people try never to hit a bad shot. I think Tom Kite told me this. Tom was working and Tom goes, well, I'm not hitting any bad shots. Well, that's great. And he goes, well, but I'm not hitting any great shots either. <laughs> and, and it was, I think I'm pretty sure it was him that told me that, but it was a comment that saying, you know, you have to let it go and see what you got. You cannot just go out there and trying not to play bad or try not to hit a bad shot because you'll never get that moment of playing great golf. And if you play really great golf and you have a really incredible career and you win 20 times and over a 20 year period, that's winning once a year. Doesn't seem like that good a year career, does it? But that's how hard the game is. And I think statistically people need to understand that when they step on the field that what they're going after is that difficult. Do not think you're going to go out there and be Jordan Speed or Tiger Woods or these guys that just, you know, I don't know what to tell you about them. You I know, mean, they're outliers, you know, and, and I, I mean, they, I can't even imagine because that's mental. That's not physical. Right. That's mind maturity that I don't know can be taught. I think that's just, I'm not trying to knock them saying no. they didn't do anything. No, I mean, but they, their mental ability. And that was Justin Leonard. Justin Leonard's strongest mental mind I've ever seen. Up close, I got the caddy for him in the U.S. Open qualifier, and he's still mad at me because he didn't make it. And but that guy, mentally, I don't know if there's anybody ever seen that strong mentally. And you know, still I think one of the best players. So, but it's like, and that's the you know I'll bring that other up thing is is all this physical work that you do with them is what percentage of what really it takes? Twenty percent. You know, and I think the big misunderstanding out there, from my perspective, is that you're always got to show up and give them something new. And I mean, I'll mow you, you know, Lucas is an example because we're yep. both familiar with him. But, you know, we've really worked on the same two or three things the whole time we've worked. I mean, in my opinion, the you know, when I worked with Smiley and he played well, I mean, he worked on three things. And, and, and when it got to where it wasn't good, as you and I've talked about, I, I really feel like it was when we got away from those three things. And I, I think the best teaching is when you can make somebody stay with the few things that they need to do to be really good. Well, I mean, I, I never was really good, but I can tell you, on tour, the great players, they knew what they had to get to. They knew the variance between what they had to get to, and they knew they had to work on it. I mean, you've heard how many guys talk, Tony, I'm close. Mm -hmm. You tell guys they're close. You know what they're doing? They're getting, it's getting more comfortable being in the right position. Right. But they know that it doesn't take over. That's not an overnight thing. 
Mm-hmm. I can't Tiger kept saying, I'm close. It's not overnight. You don't, yeah, you're going to have that day. You know, you're going to have one of those, I call them unicorn days. But those unicorn days, you just got to let those go away like a really bad day. They got to go away. You the can't try to achieve is, that every day. Oh, God. It's the worst expectation thing you can have. And like I say, training a great golfer, you know, I can say, I've, these guys that are performance, I mean, driven, I was laughing. You go watch Brooks Kepka hit a bad golf shot. Go watch him hit a great golf shot. Tell me <laughs> if you can tell the difference. Can't. And you watch great players. That's how they are. I'm not saying they don't get mad. I'm not, you know, I'm just, right. but as a rule, Thursday through Sunday, it's a job. They've got a job to do is hit this golf ball. They cannot waste their time worrying about one that's going sideways or hits a tree and goes out of bounds or whips out. If you watch the great players, how they react. Now, I'm not, look, I'm not saying the media, you might have a reaction, but I'm talking about it doesn't carry forward. And that's one thing I've, now I'm, I'm learning to watch is I got to see Jordan Spieth as a junior golfer. And you remember that about him. I mean, yeah, I'm not saying he doesn't react when he hits that shot, but it doesn't last but a second. And it's back to work. Yep. And, and it doesn't, it's like I say, it doesn't take, and it's not an act. It's not, I'm acting like I'm not upset or worried about it. It's truly being so in the moment that they're not worried about it. No and question that's about what it. It takes to become a great professional. It takes that to be great at anything you do is not to have that reaction, is that when something goes wrong, to slow down, get yourself together, react properly, ask the fireman, you know, ask the policeman, ask anyone that's in a high-pressure job, what happens when things go real bad is slow it down. But that's on and off the course. And when you have the bad day, kind of slow it down and look at it and go, you know, now if I start having six or seven or eight in a row of these things, we got a problem. But as you know, how many guys really know what their problem is? Some guys tell you they can't make a putt. You go look at their stat, and they're averaging 27 feet to the hole every time they hit a green. That's why they got to be objective. That's why you have to have a team. I mean, that's what you said. You have to have a there team that holds you accountable. And, you know, our job as teammates is, and I count you a teammate with my guys, really? whether it's formally or not, because I bounce things off of you and, and do it with my college players. And that is you have to have people that are objective that will say, no, I mean, you're not hitting it. That. I mean, you if you look at the stats or you look at the prep or, hey, you've had a lot going on in your life. You got married this year. You you probably oh. aren't supposed to get your tour card this year. You're planning a damn wedding oh. in the middle of a tour. I mean, there's lots of shit that goes on in, oh. in, in a year, and you need objective people that to point out what caused things to well, ha- perform the way they did. And you're right. And you know my motto is that, you know, talent minus distraction equals performance. Yes. And distractions can be getting married. They can be having a baby. The distractions can also be positive stuff. You win a golf tournament, you're all of a sudden doing inside the PGA Tour. You win a major, you're all of a sudden walking around New York doing a media blitz. That's a distraction. I don't care how you look at it. And it doesn't make it a bad thing. But I'm saying, why do you see people win a major and all of a sudden fall off a little bit? Because they're distracted. They, I mean... Everybody wants to talk to them. You know, they're the greatest thing to ever live for a little bit, right? Yep. And the great ones learn how to compartmentalize that for a few weeks and then get back to work. Right. And the bad ones, they just walk around and going, why am I not winning every week now? I want a major. Why, why am I not hitting it good, Tony? You know, why, 
what's wrong with me? And you're like, well, dude, you're probably stressed and worn out, you know? And no, there's something wrong. Well, no, something wrong. But that does take honesty, you know, from you or me or the parent or the trainer or whomever. Somebody's got, or the caddy, somebody's got to be honest. And that's what I tell the player all the time. If you, the people that work for you, your teachers, your trainers, your managers, your agents, your caddies, your dot broker, whomever, you ever put them in a situation that they're concerned about being honest with you and telling you what they think, you've set yourself up to fail. Don't know it. You want the guy that wants the truth, and it doesn't mean they're going to like it. It doesn't mean they're going to agree with you. Your people in your world should be honest with you, tell you what the truth is. And it should come from the moment, it should come from the position of saying, Hey, our goals are aligned here. And I'm here telling you this is what's going on. And it can be parent driven. You know, there's a time the parents got to kind of back off and let the guy, you know, get off the junior tour. And, you know, you hate to say that, but it's true. And there's a time that the wife needs to back off. There's a time that the agent and the teacher, <laughs> there's a time where everybody needs to back off, right? And so, but someone that you and I, you'll keep me in check. I'll keep you in check. Butch definitely kept me in check all the time. So there's plenty good. of times you tell me to, you tell me, hey, you just need to chill <laughs> out. Let, you know, let this happen or let that or, or I wouldn't worry yeah. about that. Or sometimes you've called and said, hey, you know what? I think you ought to. You ought to go ahead and fly down there or fly over there or do yep. this, do that. Yep. I mean, you know, or we've said, hey, let's both go do this. I mean, but that's what I think is a team. And I think what most people would, as we kind of wrap this up, most people wouldn't sure. realize how much all of us talk. I mean, not behind no. the player's back, but how much no. we talk behind the player's back to make sure that we're all, everything's aligned and we're all going in the same direction. Absolutely. And I think it would blow people's minds to know that we care so much. It's all we really think about. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, I'm in Idaho right now. You and I have talked about players. And it's not because, boy, it's going to make us money. It's going to make me famous. No. You know what? No, that's not the point. This is what we do. Right. If a player realizes on his life, that's why they're doing it. And they've got it made. It's all this list. Uh-huh. And then <laughs> as the player matures, you know, you know, look, as you know, when they get They'll get to a point where they pretty much got it. Mm-hmm. I mean, Davis tells me more than I would ever tell him. Well, me. So, you know, I always tell parents, kids, do research. And it's not tough to see what great people do. Mm-mm. You're right. Mac, this has been awesome. This is the only way it would have been better is if I was sitting up there in Sun Valley with you or we were sitting somewhere drinking some uh-huh. wine doing it. But this is what, I mean, you know, people always want an inside look. I mean, this is what dinner, you and I having dinner is like together, talking about or this stuff. Or at two in the morning. Or at two in the morning, which we've done before. Absolutely. You're the best ever. You're a huge part of everything that I do. You know what I think of you. And I appreciate well, you sitting in and doing this. Same here. You know that. And I appreciate that support. And like I say, I've been really lucky and Hopefully, I'll keep getting smarter, figure out how to do better. Absolutely. We'll keep doing it. Mac, thanks so much for the time. You know I'm going to catch up with you soon. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of The Tour Coach with Tony Ruggiero. If you enjoyed this, make sure to hit subscribe, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you are listening to this podcast. You can stay up to date because we have weekly episodes coming your way with fascinating people in the world of golf instruction at the highest level make sure to subscribe and stay tuned if you want to learn more about tony head over to dosweepersgolf.com 
to get all the details on what he's up to. Maybe you want to see him, grab a lesson, or go to one of his camps, pick up his book, Lessons from the Legends. You can do that there. If you want to see Tony in action with some videos and other content, head over to golfsciencelab.com slash Tony to get more info there. This episode was powered by the Golf Science Lab and was edited, mixed, and produced by Just Hit Published Productions. There's one thing if you know about me, if you've listened to the Douche Sweepers, you've come to listen to me talk, is you know I'm big on loyalty. We give 100% here at the Douche Sweepers. We put a lot of emotional investment into everything we do with every one of our players. And the same can be said for our partners and the folks that have been with us for the long haul and help the Douche Sweepers, help our juniors, help us get to our tour players. And so I want to give a special thanks to our sponsors. Our sponsors are, first and foremost, Buick and our local Buick dealers here around the Southeast, Shrixon Cleveland Golf, who've been with me for over a dozen years, and their belief and support of what we do here with the Dew Sweepers. And lastly, the folks at Vineyard Vines. The folks at Vineyard Vines love what we do with junior golf. They support us on the road. There isn't a better family or group of people that are going to help us look our best, play our best, and have more fun than the folks at Vineyard Vines. So special thanks to our sponsors, Please support those as you get the opportunity. And for more information about any of those, check us out at dosweepersgolf.com or you can always check me out on Instagram at the Dewsweeper.